0: Hello and welcome to the Nigel Skeptic Podcast. I am your host, El Shema Miguel Daniels. Now on today's episode, we will be talking about the new Cold War, which is something I feel a lot of people have not realized is going on and has been happening for a while. But anyways, today that's the subject we're going to touch upon. And the reason this came up is because... I realize that very often these days we hear the word revolution tossed around a lot. Almost everybody's talking about it. When it comes to Nigeria, we are ripe for a revolution. People are talking about how we need a change of government, a regime change, we need a better government. And whenever this conversation happens around revolution or revolutionizing Nigeria or changing Nigeria, it usually comes in three forms. The people are either of the opinion that you must either restructure the country you know, allow for the regions and the states to have a higher degree of autonomy over their own infrastructure, their own resources, you know, resource control is one of the first arguments for restructuring. Another method is through seceding. You see a lot of groups agitating for, you know, splitting from the country, creating their own independent nations, because they feel if they have have their own independent nations, that things will be better, They'd be able to run their country a lot more efficiently we're seeing that agitation in the east we're seeing it in the west even in some parts of the south and even in the north we're seeing this agitation that we want to create our own country we feel we're going to run it better than you are currently is another argument and another i think the last way people actually talk about revolution is by regime change they want a change of governance you know either that be that through political maneuvering in other words, through a free and a fair election with a visionary leader who has you know a proper agenda for how this country must change is one method or either through use of force you just kill people in power, you take power by force and you make the nation better you know by any means necessary execute order sixty six now Each of these three ways have their merits but in my opinion they do not take into factor the age in which we're living in especially for the one of regime change when we talk about regime change you know changing a nation to you know the government to make it a better place the first error we make is in assuming that just because we replace the current set of people in power that the next set are going to be a lot better it doesn't often work that way now i read an article that says that ever since 1952, there's been about 476 coups worldwide. Now, out of that 476, about 206 or so has been in Africa alone. So, if changing the government, if replacing the government with a new government was the panacea, was the solution to all our problems, then Africa would have been a lot better than it is today. It would have been a lot more advanced, a lot more progressive, you know, with infrastructure and everything we need to make society work out properly. But it's not in fact the reverse is the case because oftentimes we end up replacing the people in power with people who are even worse than the ones who came before them you know it's just one dictator after another it's one bad government after another and i think we need to take a step back and ask ourselves why is that the case and if we really look at it we see that we are the problem we are the reason our leaders are the way they are that's because our leaders come out of us because when you truly look at it the reason Any one nation can keep producing bad leader after bad leader after bad leader is something that must lie at the heart of that nation, whether that be in terms of the perspective of the people or the mindset of the people or what values are esteemed in that society. Because let's just be very frank with it. Our nation, our leaders, as bad as they are, our government, as corrupt as it is, is just a reflection of the kind of people we are. Really, nigga? Let's just face the fact that Nigeria is a very divided nation with many peoples in many tribes. And because of that, there's, there's just been this stream of ethno-religious conflict and biases. It's either the North versus the South or the East versus the West or Muslim against Christian. We've not been able to reconcile that. Whichever leader we produce is just a reflection of that bias. It's a reflection of that religious, a reflection of that ethno-cultural, division that we have created all these years that's the result that we're seeing playing out in politics on a grand scale that's why we don't have a leader who is first nigerian before tribal in any way shape or form that is just a realistic take on the kind of issues that we are facing and the first thing we must do is to realize that we are the problem and then look for a way to change ourselves change our culture change our values change the way we see things change the way we behave there's just so much bias in the country right now there's so much distrust there's so much you know pointing of fingers and blaming this one for the cause of this we're not ready to take responsibility we want to blame the government for our woes and either we blame the government or we blame the next tribe which we feel is the problem and one tribe is saying well you guys have been in power and this is what has happened to the country if we were in power this is what would happen it's not always the case as I said with revolutions it doesn't always happen that the people who replace the government leaving power happen to be better it's very rarely the case like we see in Rwanda Rwanda is one of the very few exceptions it doesn't always work out that way it could be worse it could be a lot worse so when we have this conversation about changing this country especially through reaching change we should look at this from a very realistic point of view now as I said earlier when people say these things, either they mention restructuring, or they mention secessionism, or they mention regime change, they do not take into account the age in which we live in. Now, we live in unprecedented times. The century in which we live in, the 21st century, the digital age, is an age that has never been seen before in terms of technological and societal and economic Uh, economic progression, societal progression, industrial progression there's just been so much advancement in this century alone more than the rest of human history put together and part of what that has done is that that has begun to take power from the government where power was always centralized and it's returning power back to the people people are beginning to have a lot more degree of authority and control over their lives through things like the information they get to see and the information they get to hear you see before the 21st century before the technologies such as the internet and social media the government used to control the flow of information of course they always claimed to be champions of free speech but we know that's not the case the government was in control of the information we got to hear was in control of the information we got to see how much we knew and when we knew it because otherwise how would you get your information but social media has broken down that barrier social media has made it such that almost anybody anywhere could be a journalist as long as you have your phone you're you're literally qualified to be a journalist you're literally qualified to be a political commentator you could talk about any topic you could talk about anybody you could talk about anything with impudence literally and information has been able to flow very easily because of that and that's all because of their unique generation the unique century the unique age in which we're living in any other age beyond, beyond before this it would not have been possible but it's very possible because of the age in which we live in, in this 21st century, this digital age. And it's not only in information, even in terms of power, for example. Let's talk about power, for instance. Now, ever since Nigeria has been a nation, power has been a problem. We don't have constant and steady power supply. It's always been an issue. The problem with that is, the reason the government has not feel pressured, the reason the government has not been pushed to do something about the power sector, it's not even a corruption issue. It's just simply the fact that the government probably feels that they stand a lot more to lose than to gain if they end up fixing our power problem. What do I mean by that? First of all, Nigeria is an oil economy. In other words, we are heavily, heavily reliant on oil. Oil exports, oil products, everything oil related is what we're heavily, heavily reliant on. Now because of that, if the government ended up fixing our power supply and we had stable and good electricity. We would not have need to buy generators if we did not have need to buy generators we would have no need to buy fuel if we had no need to buy fuel well you could have you could just guess what happens to the uh, let's just call it internally generated revenue from sale of oil sorry from sale of fuel diesel kerosene and all of that within the country so the government is not pressured to solve that problem because it's making money of it somehow I don't i don't really know the economic ramifications for if it's what's keeping the country afloat in some measure or not i have no idea but i can say that that is a primary reason why the government is not keen to see power you know develop the power infrastructure developed in nigeria but now they do not have a choice anymore you see in the former century in the 20th century and early on They could have a say on whether whether we have good electricity or not, but now they do not. Why? Because of something called renewable energy, because of things called solar panels, batteries, inverters. The only issue is that solar panels are not yet affordable to the common Nigerian, to the average middle-income earning Nigerian yet. But when that power becomes affordable, when solar panels become affordable, when batteries become that affordable, I could bet you it's going to completely... If they're not going to find a way to over-regulate it or they're going to find a way to uh, tax their power supply into oblivion They will try to do so because what that does effectively is that it decentralizes power The government has always tried to keep a stranglehold on power That's why even if they privatize power, they still make sure it's centralized It's all in a centralized grid But with renewable energy with solar panels, power is decentralized Power is no longer just in the hands of the government, now people could just determine how they want to use power and when, and they don't even need to buy fuel to do so. All they need is a solar panel, all they need is a battery and an inverter, and that's it. The solar panel powers your house and your appliances during the day, and the battery does that during the night, and they're good. So we see that this century is a very unique century, it's a very unique age, whereby the key theme of this particularly 21st century digital age, I should say is just decentralization. It's taking the power that the government has always centralised, it's taking the power that the government has always put a stranglehold on and that is exactly what it's doing. Now when we look at this, we must now come to realise at a certain point that, and with all of this in play, we now need to look and see that, that with all these new technologies we must realise that there is a champion of the new age and it's not the government. So far things were working out fine when the government had things centralised in the previous century but we're beginning to see now that It's only a hindrance to development and progression. But what I'm trying to say is this. With the rise of these technologies, with the rise of this improvement, there is a rise of a new champion. And that champion is the private sector. It's entrepreneurship. It's innovation. It's not the government. The government was the champion of the previous age. It was what people needed in the previous age for stability and to control and to set things in order. But now the government is no longer that champion. That champion is the private sector. And increasingly, it begins to seem that the government is on the opposite side of the fence. It's no longer for the people as it used to be. And now the private sector seems even more pro-people than the government. Now let me explain what I mean by that. For example, the free flow of information. With all we have seen, with the increasing freedom and flow of information, it only seems as though the government in its more recent attempts, and I'm talking more likely about the Nigerian government in particular, is... Has really tried to stifle the free flow of information. It has tried to give, uh, it has tried disinformation campaigns. It's tried to hide information. It's tried to, you know, limit what we hear and what we see. Unfortunately, that's not possible anymore. It's no longer at at its whim to lie to the people as it wished to do so because of social media, because of you know the free flow of information, not because of the internet. So people get to know what what they want to know when they want to know it. And the Government has no control over that. And then we see the government trying to regulate that by things like you know the free speech uh, free speech bill that they were trying to pass in the Senate at one point where they were trying to limit the kind of free flow of information or who gets to say what on public platforms and whatsoever and of course they try to act like they do these things in our common interest but obviously it's not it's because they still want to retain control they're not comfortable losing all this power that they've held for so long it's what we see with cbn the central bank of nigeria banning cryptocurrencies they're banning cryptocurrencies and they claim it's in our best interest they don't want nigerians to get scammed they don't want nigerians to get you know frustrated or you know lose their money in things they do not completely understand while ponzi schemes have been running around in this country for a long time a lot of them the government knew about the government hasn't really done anything to stop it i don't know i'm just putting my opinions out there but it doesn't seem as though they're doing these things in our best interest now i will say that there are the economic ramifications for these technologies they are very disruptive Uh, i have to admit that but it's not always in my opinion the government doesn't always do what they do in our best interest now ideally the way this thing should work is that the private sector should push development should push innovation should push you know progression while the government seeks to regulate just how far the private sector pushes these changes you know it doesn't it it shouldn't stifle the changes it should just seek to regulate how these changes come about because the private sector we must not forget entrepreneurship is all about solving problems for profit so there's a profit aspect So therefore the government must be there to at least draw the line about how far they can go before they cross the line. But with what we've seen so far, the government is only panicking. It's more reactionary in this particular century. It's not the one driving the policies that could push for positive change. The private sector is. The private sector is the one that is pushing for free cash flow in terms of no longer being limited to institutional banks, now people could use their phone and make all this online payment and mobile uh, banking and it's so easy, it's so simple and yet the banks of nigeria are fighting against that. Private sector has made it such that nigerians here in nigeria could invest in cryptocurrency, could invest in foreign exchange markets, could put their money into something and know that they have stability of cash return and yet we do not see the government, the government is fighting against that it's pushing against it tooth and nail, it's recently tried to pass this law that prohibits uh, banks from using from allowing these private firms from allowing the private companies to have people use their bvn to register which is effectively trying to cripple their business it's trying to prevent them from working we've seen the same thing happen in lagos states with the uh list that was helping with the transportation problem with the bikes and everything and then the government came and shut it down because the government wanted to introduce their buses. It's almost that the government views the private sector, it views innovation as a threat, it views innovation as a kind of attempt to challenge its dominance as a challenge to its power so wherever innovation is rising the government comes to squash it down as violently and as quickly as possible because they do not want to lose power and if anything NSAS was only just a wake-up call for them it scared them even more because with NSAS the free flow of information was what cost it to blow up as much as it did it went viral on global platforms and everybody was talking about it and people who were funding the NSAS protests did so through cryptocurrency so the government panicked and ever since then everything you have seen since that time has been the government reacting to these technologies reacting to its fear of loss of control of power it has sought to introduce a social media bill it has sought to force people to register their sims to their BVN to their national identity uh, number so that they could regulate who is saying what and why and also they've also tried to as I said recently blocking and banning cryptocurrency because they say terrorists use it to fund and when and when they say terrorists we might as well just assume they mean protesters at this point anybody who protests against the government might as well be an enemy all of this points us to the fact that we're now in a goliath versus david situation where david is the private sector which seems now to be increasingly for the people and the government which used to be for the people has become goliath it has become the one that wants to stifle creation innovation entrepreneurship and development so that it retains its hold on power now all of this points to one thing in my opinion it points to a cold war so i'll be dividing this episode into two parts part one and part two to avoid making it as long as 30 40 minutes at least just to keep it under 20 minutes at least so this is part one of the cold war government versus the people